Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Hey folks, before we get into today's program, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about one of our sponsors, DocSites. DocSites provides affordable and effective websites for dentists with no long-term contracts, transparent pricing, and great customer service starting at only $59 per month. They also provide optional online marketing packages to help you increase your online visibility. For special offers, including up to 25% off of your website setup, text PODCAST to 818-489-9823. Again, that's 818-489-9823. Now, this is a limited time offer, so text now and lock in your savings. Or you can visit DocSites.com forward slash TBOD for more information. Okay, Carl. And we should now be live streaming onto Facebook. And if anybody has any questions, they can go ahead and drop their questions down below and we will get to them as quickly as possible. But first, Carl, how the heck are you? It's been a while. You know, I'm doing great. Yeah, we're in Utah here. We got snow on the ground. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I prefer my Texas where it's nice and uh, nice and snowless for uh, most of the year round. <laughs> yeah, except for those ice storms that come through. But that's uh, it. And, and I could I could I could do without another one of those for another 15 years. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to do this with you. It's uh, we've been looking forward to it. Uh, I know Dave Roberts has done one or two with you as well. He's a good friend. Uh, Dave's a great guy. He's done a whole lot for dentistry as a whole, but particularly in his helping dentists to learn surgical techniques. And, and you yourself, it's a it's a it's a tough world out there as a as a dental practice owner right now. If your skills are the same as they were when you got out of dental school, so I really respect the uh, the education that you guys give people and the opportunity that you give them too, because without learning these advanced surgical techniques. You just can't hope to practice profitably in dentistry anymore, not if you take insurance at least. Um, and today, you guys actually are going to talk about something that's relatively new that is something that I've been hoping you were going to do for a long time. So um, let's get into that. Uh, you have a new program. Talk to us a little bit about it, Carl. Well, for several years now, we've been teaching surgery and particularly focused on surgical extractions. Uh, they, basically, they're not teaching it in school anymore. I mean, you can watch somebody do one and you can, you, you know, you may be able to do a little bit, but you don't end up with confidence when you graduate. And, and you know, but the price of everything in our lives is going up. My wife said our, ga our home gas bill is going up. Uh, gas is, for cars is going up. You're, um, somebody got their rent raised $2,000, a dentist I know, just overnight. Wow. Unless you're doing something to compensate for that, you're not going to make it. And uh, so surgery is one thing. And But if you know surgery, you should be able to place implants if you want to, if you have that desire. And we make it easy. You know, we make it easy in so many different ways. Um, and the, the first way is by knowing surgery well. I mean, you've got to be able to take out teeth quickly. You've got to be able to do bone grafts, socket grafts. You need to be able to do flaps. If you don't know how to do that, your implants aren't going to work so well. They're going to they're going to fail. That's I, I'm on the board of directors with Gordon Christensen, and we had a meeting the other day uh, on our newsletter, and uh, 
you know, it's 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 something about if you don't know how to do grafts and and surgery, you're going to struggle. And what he was talking about to us in that meeting was the per, the percentage of failure with implants. It's quite high. You know, they may work good at ninety six percent in the first year, but as the years go by, that lowers to like um, you know seventy percent failure rate after like ten years. So we've, we're talking about things in our course that will help you not only do them well, have them reach that 96% success rate, but stay doing well, you know, for the future. That's what it's all about. And if you don't know surgery very well, it's hard to do that. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I, uh, I fell into the trap. I, I placed a lot of implants in my practice too. And I fell into the trap very briefly of doing flapless. And boy, that was not a good idea. You know, I, I had a higher failure rate for flapless than for any other implants that I did. And, you know, the, the thought behind it, what we were taught was, hey, look, you know, you're you're not disrupting the periosteum, so you're going to have better bone retention, less loss around the implant. That just isn't true. Um, at least that was not my experience. There was a while at the dental school when we had an oral surgeon that was very proactive teaching students to do surgery and implants i mean d3s and d4s and uh, and some of them said uh, you know can we do immediates and he said yeah and so for a while they did that and and there was a a, a high failure rate on those as well you got to consider the population these are first timers but still you know, there are some things that work better than others and there are some basics and tried and true techniques Things that, you know, if you do them a certain way, your percentage rate of success is higher. Those are the things that we want to emphasize. Um, so that's one advantage I think we have is that we, that's what we do. We teach surgery and we teach, Dave teaches third molars and, and the, there's three of the rest of us. We teach surgical extractions. We teach techniques that are, allow it to be quicker and uh, less invasive with not losing buccal bone, which is one of the primary tenets of implant placement is you don't lose the buccal bone when you do the extraction. So we teach that. And so that gives us strength, I think. We have an instructor, uh, head of our department of, of implantology, who has been teaching implants for Hyacinth, for Nobel, for uh, notable institutes around the country for 10 years. And we uh, have him as a partner in this endeavor. And uh, would that be Dr. Barry uh, Hillman? Yes, Hillman? Dr. Hillman. Um, you know, I first encountered him at uh, Whitecap in Utah, which is an implant institute. But for one reason or another, he's not with them anymore. But he well, he, well speak it, of the devil, he just popped into the room, so we'll we'll get a chance to say hi to him in just a second here. Okay, that's good. So he's he's all about fundamentals and he's about basics and he's about doing it right from the start and about having the surgery background, you know, to give you the depth and the strength that you need. He wasn't waiting for the door to be unlocked. Absolutely. So Barry, welcome onto the show. How are you doing this morning? Hey, thank you. Good morning. Just fine. So uh, your ears must have been burning. We had just mentioned your name whenever you popped into the room. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, thanks for having me. I, I just got out of a morning huddle and uh, just thought I'd jump in for just a second. 
Fantastic. We were just about to dive into what all you guys are covering. Um, uh, Carl was just saying that you have a, a big belief in covering the fundamentals because you want to keep your students as safe as possible. And I think that's a, a fantastic way of approaching this. Um, it, it seems that there's a, as many opinions out there as there are people, but the fundamentals are still you know, something that everyone should be embracing, no matter what uh, particular philosophy of implant placement they hold. So can you cover a little bit for us um, what specifics are going to be covered in the course um, and, so that people kind of have an idea of what to expect? Yeah, my pleasure. Well, what I think what anybody would expect at the get-go is to have good training with respect to placing implants into bone. Uh, first and foremost, establishing a great entry position, angulation, depth, making sure the stability of the implant is correct. I think that's what most people are looking for uh, in implant training. But the truth is there are a whole bunch of related skills that are needed uh, in order to have that uh, stick in someone's mind for them to be able to implement it. I've talked to a lot of reps through the years who've kind of scratched their heads after putting on courses uh, for general dentists in particular, uh, when they teach those very concepts, but then their implementation rate is low. And uh, so that's something I'm focusing on is uh, in addition to placing in bone, what are, what are some of those other things? You really got to know how to enter the tissue correctly prior to entering the bone. And before that, have the treatment planning skills that allow you to get to that point. Uh, so we'll cover that case selection prior to that. Uh, there are a lot of case selection concepts that can uh, really uh, help you succeed if you know exactly what boundaries to follow as you do that. Uh, so all of that is wrapped up in that idea of fundamentals, I think. And you got to know how to talk to patients too, just how to help them understand what it is that um, they're undergoing with implants, because our message is maybe just a little bit different than than what you get. In, in the marketing sphere, uh, where patients get the impression that implants can um, be done in one visit, you know, or maybe two visits, which is sometimes true, uh, but other times it isn't. So having that skill of talking to patients and getting them excited about implants, setting their expectations in the right place is a really big deal. So we're going to cover all of those things uh, leading us up to placing implants in, in bone in some innovative ways, too. So you guys are going to be covering a lot of fundamentals. Obviously, flap design has got to be a part of this. Um, like you said, correct angulation, correct positioning, you know, our, our wonderful two millimeter rule that I think it gets violated a lot more than uh, than it should be. <laughs> um, are you going to be teaching any of the um, the more advanced techniques so far as um, sausage grafts, onlays, PRF or anything like that? Uh, in this course, this is a fundamentals course. This will cover what I'm coining starter cases. I had a nice conversation yesterday with an oral surgeon. We were traveling back from a course in Mexico that he was attending. And, you know, I, I talked to him about this issue, actually, and said, well, how did, how did your residency progress as you learned some of those procedures that, that you just mentioned, you know, some advanced ridge augmentation procedures? And he gave me quite an interesting answer. He said that uh, during his first year of residency in particular, he did cases that kind of fell within that starter case realm, but he was constantly in dialogue with his colleagues uh, as they reviewed cases together um, about 
these more advanced cases, ridge augmentations and sinus grafting, full arch applications, things like that. And uh, he was eased into that. Uh, so I'm gonna use a, a similar approach where really our focus is to draw, we're gonna delineate boundaries between some of those kinds of cases because sometimes the slope can be a little bit slippery between a starter case, uh, which really can be quite straightforward and simple and incorporated into a general dentist workflow and something that can require you to access the sinus or um, manipulate soft tissue or uh, do something that uh, requires more ridge augmentation than you bargained for. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm gonna show our attendees what's on the overall implantology menu, you might say, uh, because I've learned that it's actually a bit of a challenge just to understand what's on the menu. Uh, so like oral surgery resident, that's kind of the approach that I'll be taking too. I mean, in this particular course on our surgical fundamentals course on uh, our first one is January 13th and 14th. Uh, I'm gonna show them the menu. We're gonna talk about some of these procedures and their indications uh, and uh, cover kind of the what of those uh, so that then we can focus in on case selection concepts and really choosing starter cases, making sure that our docs are uh, adept and comfortable with uh, treatment planning, those cases that can fit into their workflows. You know, I, I love the fact that you brought up mentoring. Uh, to me, that was one of the most important things on my journey in implants was the ability to talk to other people who were more experienced than me or maybe had differently experienced than me. I, I remember this one case where everything looked beautiful. I mean, it was a lower first premolar, you know, slam dunk bone, everything looked beautiful. Well, if I had had more experience, I would have noticed that the Hounsfield units in that particular area were were lower than they should have been. And so I placed my implant and I'm torquing it in just to squeeze out that last little erg because I want to hit that 35 Newton centimeters. Right. And that's about when the implant went and disappeared. So the woman had a hollow jaw and um, I um called one of my friends up. I said, look, here's the deal. I very, very politely excused myself. And I said, one moment, I need to go and do something. I'll be right back. You know, of course, I, I was hoping my brown scrubs were on that day, right? And so, you know, I, I go and I talk to my friend and he said, okay, do you have a notched perio probe? And I said, yes, I do. He said, put that alongside, take an angulation, take another angulation, just use the slob rule. You'll feel able to figure out where it is then. You'll know how deep it is. And then just approach it like you're making a notch to access a third molar. And I said, okay. So that's what I did. Opened it up. And I said, you know, as I've gotten in here, it looks like your bone is not quite as thick and durable as we'd like to see it or as it appeared on the x-rays. So I'm going to go ahead and do a bone graft here at no charge. We're not going to you know, charge anything extra to do this. We're going to put on some PRF. We're going to lay it over. We're going to bring you back in six months because of your age. I'd normally bring you back a little sooner. We want to make sure this heals really well. So sent the patient home. She comes back. We place the implant. But um, I'll tell you, without mentorship, I would have I would have lost my mind because I wasn't prepared for that. And it wasn't a side effect that you read about. It wasn't a, a common problem that you read about that you could have possibly known about beforehand before it happens to you. Yes. So talk to us a little bit about that mentorship and how you've helped your students to, you know, overcome issues like this. Some of that happens in the moment in our courses. You know, you'll have someone who gets over his skis or over her skis, to use a Jackson Hole expression. 
um, it, you know, they, they need somebody over their shoulder to help them in a moment like that when something, well, just surprising happens. Um, uh, one thing you can get from mentorship as well, just technically speaking, is that it's uh, one of the most common scenarios that I see has to do with tissue manipulation, retraction, visual access. And, uh, not really uh, enough is one of the things I've noticed a lot. Whenever I see other dentists work, they don't release nearly enough. And so there's no way they can get primary closure. That's right. Not to mention visual access to the ridge, you know, uh, ago I did a all on four case with somebody over mentorship. So I stood over his shoulder and helped him gain access to the ridge and just let him do his thing. Uh, once he had, uh, reflected to the degree that he thought was appropriate. Then I said, hey, let's take a second look at that before we move on to the next step. Let's see if we can set the stage here. Once I showed him how much reflection can and should be done in that scenario, then it was, uh, oh, okay. Well, now I see this. Once you get to where you can actually see the bone to that degree, then you see guided surgery in a slightly different light. I, I love uh, guided in many ways, but... Uh, you start to realize, oh, with proper surgical training and employing all those principles that Dr. Kerner teaches, well, the tr you can have visual access to the bone like you didn't know. And uh, then you're placing the implant. In many cases, you actually see the buccal plate to the apical extent of that implant when you place. And that's a different proposition. Absolutely. Than, uh, that. So that, that's something that happens in real time. Uh, you know, uh, in, in mentoring situations that can save a case and also put a doctor on the right track, because the, the whole goal here is to be able for you to be able to fly solo in your own office. Um, and so then the other form of mentorship you can have is, is a lifeline a little later. There's somebody you can get on the phone with. And I, I have those conversations with people all the time. You know, what, what should I do here? What should I do there? Absolutely. And you, you talk about the fundamentals and how important they are. One of the fundamentals that I find um, is I've taken boatloads of, of implant CE. And one of the things I find is in flat placement, how very seldom they talk about frenum release and the effect of frenums upon healing patterns. Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit to that? Sure. Uh, it's intuitive in the midline to make a vertical releasing incision, or at least it's intuitive enough to do that. Uh, but that, you know, those, those muscle tissues that you're violating there do that, that uh, extends healing times and compromises right. comfort to the point that what I will typically teach is in, with respect to a full arch incision that might involve the midline. Why don't we reflect as much as we can for starters without that midline vertical release so that that frenum can be left alone? Uh, if possible. When I say left alone, however, I'm describing a full thickness mucoperiosteal flap that is raised at the midline close to the base of the nose. If we're talking about an all on four that needs a large alveoloplasty or alveoloplasty, you know, but in that case, this is a full thickness mucoperiosteal flap. And so the muscle attachment is still intact it's still attached to the periosteum and so then the task when you reattach everything is simply for the periosteum to come back to the bone uh, and so that's a lot nicer healing event 
At the same time, it's a, it's a bit like uh, G.B. Black's philosophy, I think. Um, sometimes you really do have to invade surgically in order to gain the access you need. Form. That's right, to do the right, to do an adequate job or, or more than adequate to do an excellent job. So if, if uh, I, I'll teach my students that if they've done all they can to not violate those tissues, but then they don't have the visual access that they need, then do take the next step up the ladder to the next rung and make that midline vertical release if you must. Well, could I say something here? That Please. freedom shouldn't be there in the first place. Um, in our courses, we teach if you do extractions in that area, um, you know, for an immediate denture or, or whatever, uh, a lot of general dentists don't know how to do a phrenectomy. I mean, there's like five different ways. They don't know any of them. And they're uncomfortable. They don't know it. It takes 15 minutes if you know what you're doing. Right. So that's that's one of the things we teach in our course with Dr. Mukin and Dr. Drollinger and myself to do those ridge procedures along with extractions many times. And then you prepare yourself better for that future implant with better soft tissue. Could not agree more, Carl. Could not agree more. I'll tell you, um, do you find in, in my hands, and I admittedly don't have the experience that either of you gentlemen do, but in my hands, I always found that I felt that I had been oversold, oversold on the dialed laser, laser for phrenectomies. I found that a scalpel or a pair of surgical scissors was so much better and so much faster. This is a great point. Yeah. And, and you know, we talked about implementation a second ago, too. And uh, of all the things that seem to get doctors over the implementation hurdle and the barrier, it's the fundamentals that Carl teaches. It's uh, anyway, I, I got to go get something numb. I'll step back in can. All right. Sounds and, great. We'll talk to you if you, if you make it. Great. All right. Hi folks. This is Doc Huffbauer, founder of the business of dentistry and host of the Dear Doc podcast. Before we go any further, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about one of our fine sponsors, Dentamax. Now, I've been able to land a phenomenal deal for all of our TDOD members and our listeners on the Dentamax Dream Sensor. Before I jump into the offer, if you didn't already know, Dentamax offers high-quality dental sensors. They sent me one of their Dream Sensors to try out my office, and my staff just raved about it. If you're picky about image quality, Dentamax has you covered. When you get your sensor in, a technician will help you by setting it up so that you get clear, concise images all of the time. In fact, they can even set it to mimic a sensor that you had before that you like the image on. All you have to do is share which one it was. It has a tough, durable housing, and it's backed by a three-year manufacturer warranty, which is one of the longest warranties in the industry. I also like the thin design. With the beveled corners, it makes it easy to place in the patient's mouth, and it's pretty comfortable. Now, I know a lot of you may be worried, will this work with my imaging software? You don't have to worry there. Denimax has you covered there as well. Denimax Dream Sensor works with virtually all software. In fact, it's usually plug and play, and you never even have to use a Twain driver. I'm excited to share this special with you because David Ornett, Denimax's CEO, was willing to give us a really great deal. All of our members can try the Dentamax Dream Sensor for free. That's right. They'll ship it out to you and let you use it for two weeks. In fact, they'll even have their technician dial it in on your systems to make sure it looks as good as possible. Now, all you have to do to get this offer 
is go to denimax.com forward slash TBOD. But guys, that's not it. Denimax is going to give you $3,000 off of their retail price plus a $200 discount above and beyond that just for being a member of this community. So you can get a size one sensor for just $27.99 and a size two sensor for $37.99. It's a really great deal on a really great sensor, but you don't have much time to wait because this deal ends on July 4th. So go ahead and go to dendamax.com forward slash TBOD, check out the deal and celebrate your freedom from high prices. Thanks again, folks. This is Doc Huffpower. Let's get back to the show. Chris, let me just say a few things. Barry has talked a little, and I think some of your questions kind of led us to a little more advanced cases, which is fine. And 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 Barry mentors as he did in the car with that uh, uh, with that oral surgeon on his way back from the course in Mexico that the oral surgeon was taking and Barry was teaching, you know. So Barry mentors oral surgeons, and he teaches all on four. But here we're talking about a series of five courses, each one two days long, each one about a month apart, that teaches the fundamentals, the basics, uh, and teaches um, case selection. You know, that's so huge with someone starting out is case selection, treatment planning, and then teaching these newer dentists to implants to do a case presentation to their peers. And that's, we can do that in, in some of our uh, online things. We can, on Zoom, you can do, a person can do a case presentation, show his PowerPoint or her PowerPoint. You know, this is how I'm going to do this case and then receive critique from peers. Nothing teaches you faster than defending your decisions of what you're going to do. And then afterwards, how you did it. So I think that at the dental school uh, where we teach implant uh, cases to, uh, how to do it to the residents, the AEGDs now. Uh, we used to do it with students, but we don't anymore. So I think I think that's a big part of it. So Barry and yourself kind of got carried away. But, you know, as we get back to basics, that's what these five courses are about. And then once they get these, uh, three of them, by the way, are with patient treatment. And then once these courses are done, then we can get into some of the more sophisticated things because at that point, we're ready for it. Well, Carl, I, I think it's very easy as someone who has been placing implants a lot or has placed a lot of implants to get off on that more advanced road and forget. And I think a lot of instructors do that. And that is definitely something that um, speaks highly of your courses here is that they are so anchored to the fundamentals, you know, and, and I, I love that. I, I should say in full disclosure that um my associates have all been to Carl's surgical courses um, and um, they learned a ton. So send your, send your associates to his, uh, to his third molar courses or send yourself to your third molar courses at, at, at the least, but you should definitely check out this entry point program that he has now, which is this implant thing that we're talking about this morning. Let me mention one thing about that. So there's the five two day courses and, and actually, um, doing the easier cases and selecting cases properly, they can place their first implant on our fourth day of training. And that's with local patients that we bring in. Uh, so they had four days into it, they can place uh, simpler case implants. 
and then go back to their offices and, and do some of the entry-level cases. And as they progress with uh, further through those five courses, then they gradually build their sophistication and their competence and their confidence to be able to handle uh, more things as they as they go and as they learn. So, Carl, I did my my initial training. Um, well, actually, I, my my first live patient training, I should say, because I've had I'd had implant courses before then. Uh, but my first one was with Dr. Todd Angle. And um, I remember that um, we we're given the choice of a sinus and an IAN. As, you know, what, what are we going to have to deal with with this implant? And I remember I was terrified of the sinus. I wasn't worried about the inferior alveolar because I knew if I stayed far enough away from it and I didn't go into that submandibular fossa, I was going to be okay but I was terrified of sinuses. So that's what I picked. Do you guys have something similar in your course where students can kind of address with this mentorship here over the shoulder, the, the fears and concerns they have and be able to overcome those fears by choosing the more difficult for them of the two surgeries? Well, you know, of course, with the sinus is so integral in, in terms to implants and, you know, the cases that, might, that you might encounter. So within those five courses that we have, the ones that are two days each and that involve patient treatment, we will undoubtedly do some bumps and taps, okay? And we'll learn about sinus anatomy. And then as we get towards the end of the five days and then subsequent courses that are more sophisticated after that, we'll get to the lateral windows and the, the pros and cons. I mean, there's so many ways to do the the, the bumps. I mean. Uh, I, I, I actually taught some hyacinth things with their kit for doing a sinus bump with the water. And uh, I, I published on that. As fact, in fact, in uh, dentistry today, there was an article that I did several years ago. And I like that technique because it was so predictable. The Summers technique, you know, it's, it's very uh, technique sensitive, the Summers technique. You can pound through that membrane and put bone in the sinus and, you know, in a heartbeat. And so some of these others maybe take a little bit more time, but they're they're very gradual and, and very intuitive. And you do this and then you do that and, and then you get the, the outcome you want. So we, he will be teaching and I'll be helping him teach those uh, initial aspects to sinus um, bumps and taps and getting three more millimeters, uh, you know, or two more millimeters. And then once you're good at that, then go to the lateral window where you may get, you know, a lot more than that if because you need it. It's, so that's certainly a part of it. Uh, goes without saying. You know, I, when I, go ahead, Mary. When I was walking out, I heard you saying, Carl, let's let's bring this back to the more basic procedures. And I walked back in and you're talking about lateral window. <laughs> Carl started it. Hey, yeah, that's what you get for leaving for a minute. <laughs> So yeah, we went to easier and then we came back to harder again. You know, I, I don't know about you guys. One of my um, my favorite instruments has always been the autotome. Uh, simply from a, a patient um, terror standpoint, <laughs> you know, it, it's hard to explain to them why you're coming at their face with a great big old mallet. I, I really loved the autotome. Are, are there some instruments that you guys would like to familiarize students with that they might not get a chance to operate within their practices normally or so that they can see, you know, how their use goes? Are you going to, guys going to really keep it 
super, super, super simple with the the most basic of instruments. I think there's a lot to be said for either way. I think uh, my the thing I want to introduce everybody to is a Minnesota. <laughs> that, that's uh... you can't see. Well, now you can. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm kind of being facetious, but um, right. it's something we uh, repeatedly in in office situations is that you have general practitioners who are accustomed to being locked into the 11 o'clock position in the operatory as they work. And they're accustomed to using indirect vision, all of these things that are laudable when you're working on one tooth, uh, but they are very reticent to let go of some of those habits when it's time to do something surgical. And they often use their Iowa retractor instead of the Minnesota and uh, I went to the University of Iowa, so that's not, I was trained not to use the Iowa retractor. But uh, some of these things um, um, really, really matter. So um, I, I'm very interested in getting people familiar with the fundamentals in that sense. We have uh, Blue Sky Bio uh, with us, and they have an amazing line of products. Um, and, uh, we'll be introducing everyone to their surgical kit and working with their kit and their products as we go. And, uh, uh, other armamentaria, we're still, we're still getting that ready as we go. I, I don't know about you. I think one of the most unsung heroes of implant placement, it's something I've certainly, I've never seen anyone, anyone else use, um, other than myself, but I had these old, uh, surgical stainless steel things for endodontics man those were absolutely vital what other what other little tips and tricks do you guys have up your sleeves from your years of experience that you can throw out as nuggets perhaps for those who are already placing implants and they feel like they wouldn't get as much from this course you know i think there's so many different things you can use like to have that ruler handy i mean that's always good to, to have your cone beam CBCT uh, evaluation that you've done uh, before you even start the case and to have that be a standard of care with, with almost all your implant cases. Uh, little things like, Barry, I don't know about you, but when I was doing Hyacin, uh, and then I've done other brands as well, they had this one uh, uh, side cutting burr that I thought was really helpful if your pilot is just a tiny bit off, to be able to put that side cutter in there and just go sideways, which you can't do with a regular pilot. I mean, there's going to be lots of little things that Barry has, you know, his his own repertoire of things that he will mention to help bring people up to speed. Any comments on that, Barry? That's that's one of my favorites, actually, is the Lindemann side cutting drill. Yeah, I think the Hyacinth kit has that inside of it already, but of kits you would want to get that extra yeah that, that's one that comes to mind for me immediately and then some of these instruments they are they have them but they don't know how to use them right like they may have a periosteal elevator and they may think it's fine but then you look at it and feel it and it's like uh so dull uh you know the point isn't sharp the sides aren't sharp how can you do good surgery if the the instrument you think is good really isn't as good as you think it is yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. 
yeah, that's why I'm not being entirely facetious uh, when, when you asked earlier, Doc, about favorite instruments and things that I want to introduce. It's uh, a Minnesota and a periosteal elevator and uh, <laughs> things we, we all know what they are, but uh, rediscovering them anew is, is uh, able. Well, and, and just maybe thinking a little bit out of the box that you were trained in as to what these instruments are good for. You know, it's that that periosteal elevator has kept my butt safe more times than I can I can care to speak. Yeah, isn't that the truth? I just went in and got somebody numb just now. And uh, my my Minnesota is in my hand all the time. And I use it when I anesthetize in any case at any point because I like how taut T-A-U-T you can make the tissue prior to penetrating the tissue with your needle with a Minnesota. The quality of retraction is a, is a little bit better. Yeah. Well, the patients like the injection a hell of a lot more whenever the, you do stretch that tissue out. So, folks, if you want to sign up for this course, if you'd like to know a little bit more about it, I've put the link and some of the dates and times up above in the description of this um, this video. But if someone just wants to sign up right now on their phone while they're watching us, can you guys go ahead and give us that address? You know, for for our our our, our mouse disabled people out there. You know, we, we we in some of our promos we have a link to our landing page, which bypasses our homepage and goes right to implants. But you know, if they don't have that, then they can do kernercenter.com. You can put the www at the front if you want or not; it doesn't matter. But it it gets you right to our landing page, and we have a slider there, and then we have a box where you can click and also get to that uh, landing page for implants. Um, so we would encourage that. Of course, it's done at one of the, one of what I think because I'm faculty in the oral surgery department there, one of the best dental schools in the country, which is a fairly new one. It's only seven or eight years old. It's in Salt Lake City. And that's where the courses are held, and that's where the patients we treat will be from. They'll be indigent, mostly, or or others that just want, you know, to get a, a special deal on on implants. Um, so th that's where it is. It's in a dental school. It's in the sim lab. It's in the treatment patient treatment clinic. So it's the it's state of the art facilities also where it's held. But that's how you get to to sign up is to go to kernercenter.com unless they have your link, which goes right to the landing page. Which I was going to talk about real quick. Guys, if you use the link above and you sign up for these courses, how many hours of CE is this, Carl? 110. And how much are they going to save if they sign up through that link? Uh, that's what about $1,500 or something like that. I can't remember precisely. It, it was $1,500, guys. So if you really want to do this course, now is the time. Save yourself $1,500. That'll pay for your plane ticket and your, you know, your your hotel room maybe, or at least you know part of it if you're a high roller. But um, this is a great time to sign up. Great faculty and Carl and Barry. I'm going to let you guys close this out with any last words that you have for the audience. Well, let me let me go first because I'll be very brief. So when they sign up, they can do one course at a time if they want, and Barry calls that a la carte. <laughs> so you can take one two-day course and that's maybe what you want or you can skip and take maybe a course that has patient treatment in it what we encourage though is to take the series of five because they're they're designed to give you everything uh, that that you need when you do it that way and that's where you get the discount 
but also you get uh, free uh, to attend our two-day, 22-hour course that your um, associates went to. And that's part of it when you take the five. And, and so that's surgical extractions. And uh, so there are different ways you can go about it, but we try to make it easy for people and a value for people as well. Go ahead, Barry. This, this um, five course continuum, I've named entry point. Um, and I named it that because I like this concept of knowing when and where to enter the tissue and at what point, and then at what point to enter the bone. And it, it can be difficult with all of the continuing ad offerings that are out there to know where to enter the implantology game, particularly as a GP. And so this is designed to be your entry point. And uh, if you follow this continuum, you will have placed quite a few implants in a very mentored environment. Um, this will very uh, much increase your chances um, to, to, to being able to place implants on your own when you return. Um, the first course is surgical placement fundamentals. This is a didactic course that will have a lot of hands-on as well. And I think you'd be very pleased with what's covered in this course. By the time you leave that course, you should already be looking for patients uh, within your own patient base that you can start to treatment plan and work up and get ready to treat. That's not to say that you're exactly ready, but you're already thinking that way. Then we have a live patient treatment course that's two days a month later. And in this course, there'll be two clinical segments that you'll participate in as doctor. Uh, there will be a treatment planning session at the beginning of that. And then at the end of that, there will be a debrief session where you will present the implants that you placed and um, show that to your colleagues and uh, uh, it's bookended with those experiences. So we focus on the quality of your experience, uh, making you more likely to be able to go back and fly solo in your own office. My hope is that by the time you get to your fourth live patient treatment course, you're getting to the point where you, you really are quite comfortable treatment planning these and executing them in your own office. Uh, the prosthetic concepts course is in there too, because um, as, as everybody knows in our business, uh, what we do has a back end. And um, so much of continuing education is focused in implants, is focused on the front end delivery of that um, product. But the back end delivery is, um, is what really becomes important as time goes on. The prosthetic concepts course covers that, really starting at the point where um, uh, tissue is being trained, impressions are taken, components are understood and used at the right time, and the patient is taken all the way through to maintenance there. I think you'd be very pleased with the format of our live patient treatment experiences. I think it's um, somewhat novel to be able to do this in the United States. Um, uh, there, there are lots of overseas um, live patient courses. I just returned from one last night. Um, that are wonderful too, uh, but they, it's not really possible to execute them at this level of quality um, that we can do at Roseman and with the help of Blue Sky Bio. So I think we've got something here that um, really scratches the itch of doctors that were like me about, what, 15 years ago, something like that, when 
I really wanted to get started with implants, but I just wasn't quite sure where to turn. And I, I wanted to do them well, and I needed mentorship, and I needed encouragement, and I needed somebody to take me safely through the process so that I could do it predictably and uh, reliably. And uh, that is pretty wonderful when you can find somebody that can take you through that process. So that's what we're about here. We're, this isn't, these aren't a series of TED Talks, you might say. Uh, this is training, and this is designed to train you to get to the point where you can place implants comfortably in your own office. So hope you'll join us. I think that was very well said, and I think we can we can end it there. Guys, if you look above this post, you will find the link that you can click. If you were mouse impaired, you can always go to Corner. Carl, I always order your last name. You can always go to Corner Surgical Training. You know what? I respond to anything, so don't worry about it. Um, You've always been so kind about my impediment. <laughs> you're, you're, you're best if you know how the, know the umlauts in German, but you know not everybody is. So we say Kerner, but we respond to corner or whatever. Don't worry about. It. <laughs> well, folks, if you if you click that link above, you can save fifteen hundred dollars by signing up for the courses. If you do so all at once, or you can go a la carte. It'll cost you a little bit more. Maybe that works for your budget better, but get the training. Start placing implants. It's one of the most rewarding things you will ever find that you do in practice is to give someone their smile and their ability to eat without their teeth falling out of their face. <laughs> I, can I just say this, Doc? Please. Uh, I'm just about to run. I just got somebody numb. While he's marinating, he's just had a CBCT taken by my assistant. And I'm going to step in and talk to him about three edentulous sites that he has uh, before I start doing some restorative work in his lower right. And uh, it's wonderful to be able to incorporate that into your treatment workflows, to keep that in-house. It's rewarding for the patient. It's rewarding for your staff. It's rewarding for you. And uh, I want to be able to help people do that. So that's what our course is designed for. Just thought I'd put that plug in. I'm about to go do something really fun. And I want, uh, I want to do the same. I'd, I'd even go so far as to say, you might want to train your assistant if you have, like I had the iCat um, FX17. So I would train my assistants to place the implants virtually. And when I would pull it up on the 75 inch screen in front of the patient, I would correct the angulations and say, this is about what we're looking at doing. I think you're a really great candidate for this type of treatment. And then I would shut up and I would let them ask me to do it. Fantastic. Yeah, you're making me want to ask you to do it right now for some implants. All right, folks, you have a great day. Carl, thanks for joining us, Barry. It was great to meet you. Thank you. And um, you guys click that link above, sign up for this course. See you later. This is Doc. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Dear Doc podcast on all major platforms.